Hey everyone, this is Gary. Just want to let you know that this week I'm going to be off at a podcasting conference because every so often even I need to take a break. I've lined up some episodes that statistically I know most of you have never listened to, so they'll all be new to you. I'll be back again with brand new episodes on August 28th. Amelia Earhart was a pioneer in the early days of aviation. She became the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic. She was the first person to fly solo from Hawaii to California. In 1937, she set out for her greatest adventure ever. It would be the longest single flight in history, and it would take her around the world. However, on July 2, 1937, she took off from Papua New Guinea and was never seen again. Learn more about the disappearance of Amelia Earhart and what probably happened to her on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Summer is right around the corner, and that means cookouts. No matter what your preferred food is for a cookout or a barbecue, ButcherBox can help you make it the best. If you want to serve up some hamburgers, ButcherBox has grass-fed ground beef to make the perfect smash burger. Want to cook up some steaks? Well, ButcherBox has that too, with some of the best cuts of steak, such as New York Strip, ribeye, and filet mignon. Do you like grilled chicken? Well, ButcherBox has some of the best pasture-raised chicken that you will find anywhere. And if you really want to wow people at your next cookout, you can try grilling some of their wild-caught salmon on a cedar plank. Sign up at ButcherBox.com daily and get a special deal. ButcherBox is offering my listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. Even if Amelia Earhart hadn't so famously disappeared, she would still have been remembered as one of the pioneers of aviation and one of the most significant figures of the 1920s and 1930s. She grew up in Abilene, Kansas, and later moved with her parents to St. Paul, Minnesota, and then to Chicago. She picked her high school in Chicago based on their science labs. She worked as a nurse in 1917 in Toronto, coming down with the Spanish flu, and then in 1919 enrolled in Columbia University for a year. She initially intended to study medicine. However, her life changed forever on December 28, 1920, when in Long Beach, California, she flew in an airplane for the first time with noted air racer Frank Hawks. That 10-minute, $10 flight set her on a course that would change history. 
She immediately knew that flying was what she wanted to do, and she set out to learn how to fly. She took a series of odd jobs to save up for the $1,000 needed for her to take flying lessons. She arrived at the Kinner Airfield near Long Beach and was taught by another female aviation pioneer, Mary Netta Snook. Earhart began setting records almost immediately. In 1921, she purchased a used biplane. In 1922, she used it to fly to 14,000 feet, setting a woman's altitude record. In 1923, she became only the 16th woman in the United States to receive a pilot's license. In 1924, she briefly returned to Columbia and then was going to attend MIT when her family's financial problems prevented her from further study. She moved to Boston with her mother, where she remained active in local aviation. In 1927, however, Charles Lindbergh captured the world's attention by becoming the first person to fly across the Atlantic solo. The next year, a team wanted to have a first woman fly across the Atlantic. They selected Earhart as the right woman who could handle the media attention and had the necessary skills. She accompanied pilot Wilmer Stoltz and co-pilot-slash-mechanic Lewis Gordon on the flight in June 1928. Because of the nature of the aircraft, she hadn't been trained on the instruments, so she was literally just a passenger. When she landed in Wales, she told the press, quote, Stoltz did all the flying. He had to. I was just baggage, like a sack of potatoes. Then she added the prophetic statement, quote, Maybe someday I'll try it alone. When Earhart and the crew returned to the United States, they received a ticker tape parade and met the president. Earhart became an instant celebrity. She became known as Lady Lindy. She embarked on a nationwide lecture tour, which is what you did back then to capitalize on fame. She published a book, was given an endorsement deal, and became an associate editor at Cosmopolitan Magazine. Almost all of this was arranged by publisher and publicist George Putnam. Despite all her fame, there was one thing that nagged at her. Her record of crossing the Atlantic really wasn't her own record. She was just a passenger. She wanted to set her own records. In August 1928, just two months after her transatlantic flight, she became the first woman to fly solo across North America and back. She began competitively air racing. She sat on the board of the National Aeronautics Association. In 1931, she set a world altitude record of 18,415 feet. She also married the aforementioned George Putnam. And she did something which was almost unheard of at the time. She kept her last name. On May 20, 1932, she fulfilled the prediction she made four years earlier by becoming the first woman to fly across the Atlantic solo. In 1935, she became the first person to fly from Honolulu to Oakland solo, and she later became the first person to fly from Mexico City to New York solo. By the end of 1935, she held no fewer than seven world speed and altitude records. However, she had something much bigger planned. She wanted to take the longest flight in history, circumnavigating the Earth while staying as close as possible to the equator. It wouldn't be the first circumnavigation, but it would be the longest at 29,000 miles or 47,000 kilometers. She began planning the flight in 1936. It would require a lot of planning. She had a customized plane built with extra fuel tanks. She also had to plan a route with fuel stops, which was not trivial at the time. In March of 1937, she made her first attempt, flying westward, but the flight never got past Honolulu due to mechanical issues. Later that year, she tried again. This time, however, she was going to fly going east instead of west. Her only crew member was Fred Noonan, her navigator. Beginning in Oakland, they flew to Miami. From there, they went to Venezuela, Brazil, crossed the Atlantic to Africa, flew across the Sahara, the Arabian Peninsula, India, down Southeast Asia, to Northern Australia, and finally, Papua New Guinea. 
In Papua New Guinea, they were set to tackle the most dangerous and challenging part of the voyage, crossing the Pacific. On July 2, 1937, Earhart and Noonan took off from Ley, Papua New Guinea, to fly to Howland Island. Howland was normally an uninhabited island, but at that time it had a small American staff for refueling Trans-Pacific flights. A Coast Guard ship called the Ithaca was stationed off Howland Island to support the flight. The radio operators of the Ithaca were the last people to have contact with Earhart and Noonan. They had received some radio transmissions saying that Earhart and Noonan were low on fuel, and at 8.45 a.m. on July 6th, they received their last transmission. They never arrived at Howland Island. Search efforts began almost immediately, within an hour of the last radio transmission. The Ithaca was the only ship in the area and began searching. Within four days, more Navy ships were deployed. Eventually, search efforts centered around the island of Nikumaroro in the Phoenix Islands, which is today part of the nation of Kiribati. Nikumaroro is about 350 miles south of Howland. Search efforts continued for almost two weeks, and it was the largest search and rescue operation in U.S. history up until that point. Eventually, search efforts were called off. Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan had simply vanished. The disappearance of Earhart sparked a cottage industry in theories about what happened. Books, articles, and films were dedicated to the mystery. The most common theory is that the plane simply ran out of fuel and crashed into the ocean and sank. However, others have gravitated to the theory that she managed to put the plane down. If she was low on fuel, she might have searched for somewhere to land. They believe she might have landed on the island of Nikumaroro. In 1940, a human skull and bones were found on the island, along with the box and a sextant. However, an analysis at the time said that they were the bones of a male. Believe it or not, there has been some progress, or at least new takes on the evidence over the last several decades. In 1998, forensic anthropologists did an analysis on the measurements taken from the bones from Nicomororo in 1940, and they determined that they probably came from a woman of European descent. In 2018, another study reported that the 1940 bones fit the known profile of Amelia Earhart with a 99% rate compared to a sample of 2,700 other Americans from that time period. However, these studies have also been criticized because they didn't actually inspect the bones because they've been lost at some point when they were sent to Fiji. They only had the original 1940 measurements. Some theories speculated that Earhart and Noonan were captured by the Japanese who took them for American spies. They were later executed, either on a remote island or in Japan. Yet other outlandish theories say that she became Tokyo Rose, and some say she took an assumed identity and went on to live in New Jersey. The truth is, there's no hard evidence, one way or the other, to explain exactly what happened to Amelia Earhart. Unless one day someone should find the wreckage of her plane at the bottom of the Pacific, which after 84 years is highly unlikely, we may never know the truth. The disappearance of Amelia Earhart has overshadowed her life, which is really too bad. Her contributions to aviation, to which she eventually gave her life, would have made her remembered to history regardless how her life ended. The associate producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is Thor Thompson. Today's review comes from listener M. Scott 224 on Apple Podcast in the United States. They write, Amazing. Best podcast I listen to in my daily routine. Thanks, M. Scott. Does M. Scott by chance stand for Montgomery Scott? Montgomery Scott, the chief engineer of the USS Enterprise NCC-1701, which traveled back in time to the early 1980s to find a humpback whale, but then tried to use an early Macintosh computer but didn't know how to use a mouse? That M. Scott? Remember, if you leave a review of the show, you too can have your review read, even if you aren't an officer on a Federation starship. 